This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 94 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host and Go To Grandma, Kathy Buckworth, and this episode is airing on Saturday, May 27th at 7.30 on Zoomer Radio. Maybe you're listening to us on the podcast. I know lots of you are. And if you want to help grow this great grandparent community, please consider subscribing to and rating the podcast for me. Thank you. I know the millennials think they invented brunching with their avocado toast and their soy milk lattes, but we were brunching before brunching was cool. And now, with the help of my friend and cookbook author Charmaine Broughton, we're taking it up a grand notch. Charmaine's going to share some brunch-tastic recipes we can share with our grandkids for those Saturday night, Sunday morning sleepover dates. After the grandkids go back home, what better way to spend the afternoon than to dive into Linwood Barclay's latest novel, The Lie Maker? I've had the pleasure of meeting Linwood and having him on my show before, but this is his debut appearance as a granddad. Can't wait to see if he will be working in a super spy granddad with maybe a nosy grandma neighbor into his future works. He's going to tell us all about this book, plus how he churns out book after fantastic book. Maybe your kids or even your grandkid are those brunch-eating millennials, and maybe they're looking at buying their first homes. Today on our Take 5 with RBC interview, we'll hear all about their new first home savings account, which in today's housing market is an important step in crossing their first threshold. Here's my own confession. I don't like avocados, but hey, all the more for my kids and my grandkids who love them. What I do love is that you are here today listening in, and I can't wait to find out what Charmaine has cooked up for us. She's up next. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Charmaine Broughton is a chef, cookbook author, and host of In Char's Kitchen on Kojiko Cable. Charmaine's goal is to inspire you to get in the kitchen and recreate delicious and doable recipes with ease. Good morning, Charmaine. Thanks for coming back on the show today. My pleasure. So today we're going to talk about breakfast or brunch. Like, you know, millennials and Gen Zers think they cracked the brunch code, but we've been brunching a long time, right? And now I'm a grandma. One of the best or fun things to do is to have that breakfast or brunch experience with grandkids. And you're going to share some not only great recipes with me today, but some tips on sort of, you know, why we want to make things in advance, maybe because we're a little bit busy with them first thing in the morning. Make in advance and use items that you likely already have on hand. Really, that's what I'm all about, and it makes everybody's life easy, especially grandparents. You know, maybe they've been thrown into the um, teaching the grandkids how to cook scenario, and it's nice to be able to, uh, you know, just look in your pantry and have items that uh, that you already have on hand so you don't have to be running out to the grocery store and so on. No, exactly, and I found myself in that situation when my daughter just had our third grandchild, and I was all of a sudden taking care of the two grandsons and had to get them breakfast that morning. So, you know, having those things in your pantry, as you say, are things that you're they're ready to go because I can transport them out if I had to bring them back to where I was staying as well. Yes. And on that note, the get up and go morning muesli is perfect for your scenario. I mean, it's, it's a perfect recipe really for anyone's uh, uh, scenario, but this is um, a great recipe uh, to have little kids get involved in because it's really just a matter of measuring out ingredients, putting them into a bowl, 
stirring and then ta-da, within an hour and or you could let it sit overnight. You've got this really nutrient-dense muesli filled with lots of plant protein and fiber. And the plant protein, especially for your gang, because I know that your grandkids are vegan. So Mm -hmm. my recipe calls for uh, full-fat Greek-style yogurt, but you could absolutely use a a coconut-based yogurt or a, a or a vegan yogurt, and it's it's delicious, and it's breakfast and almost like a dessert in one because it is sweet, but loaded with fruit and plant protein and fiber and uh, lots of healthy fats too. So what things are we pulling out of our pantry for that particular recipe? So that recipe, we need uh, some rolled oats and some dried fruit. You could do cranberries, sliced dried apricots, dried blueberries, uh, some seeds, so pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds for that plant protein and healthy fat. And then I love um, chia flax and hemp seeds as well, uh, just to really up the plant protein and for some fiber. Uh, And then your yogurt and or your coconut yogurt and the zest of an orange. So I figure if you are buying the oranges anyhow to consume, you might as well utilize the zest. It really just uh, amplifies the flavor um, of this muesli dish. Some orange juice, some maple syrup. You could use honey if you didn't have maple syrup, a little bit of vanilla, cinnamon, ginger, and you just stir all the ingredients together, let it sit overnight, and this muesli is just, it's a flavor explosion in your mouth, and there's no doubt that uh, grandparents and grandkids all around will love it. So we've got the muesli, which is amazing, as you said, and a great make-before sort of dish, which I really love, but you also have something down here. I have double peanut energy bars. No, those sound great. Tell me about those. Yeah, these are fabulous. So peanuts and peanut butter are like their staples in Canadian homes. And yes, peanut butter is like great off the spoon. I think we've all been guilty of that. And or a handful of peanuts, um, you know, as a snack as is. But I love incorporating peanuts and peanut butter into dishes like these uh, peanut energy bars. Uh, so for this, again, you're just going to need some pantry staple items. Your wet ingredients are eggs. Well, you're going to stir together eggs, brown sugar, some oil, some peanut butter, and then some grated carrot and apple. So, again, adding in some um, fiber and some more nutrients from the fruits and veggies, some raisins, some peanuts and coconut. Uh, Stir all that together, and then you're going to add your dry ingredients, which is the flour, uh, some more oats, uh, cinnamon, and baking powder, and baking soda, and salt. Mix it all together, place it into your baking pan, and ta-da, half an hour later, you've got these amazing um, granola bars that are perfect out on a breakfast spread, but also, you know, to take to the park or perhaps, in your case, take them back to your house um, to munch on if if you get hungry after watching your your grandkids. (laughs) (laughs) Running around after the two-year-old and the three-year-old, exactly. And I'll just point out, you're right, my grandkids are vegan, and so I'm listening to your recipe. And for anyone who's interested, if you can't have eggs for whatever reason, if you do a tablespoon of flax with three tablespoons of water, there's your flax egg. So that recipe is easily what I call veganized, right, which is terrific a great substitution and for that recipe actually you can go to peanutbureau.ca for countless recipes that use peanuts and peanut butter as an ingredient lots of vegetarian dishes lots of vegan dishes lots of gluten-free dishes just amazing um, recipes that utilize peanut and peanut butter in dishes i mean i always say you know peanut butter is great on a piece of toast but it's also great incorporated into uh, dishes as well Absolutely. And I think I, I feel like I'm saving the best recipe for last here, Charmaine, because you describe it as sort of a desserty. So anyway, it's called a croissant pudding with fresh herbs and aged cheddar. Now, come on. 
Tell me what's in that. Yeah, so this is really decadent, and I love it. The first two recipes were um, more Mm nutrient-dense, and this recipe is super decadent and uh, delicious and a great way to use up leftover croissants and or you could use a sourdough bread or a... um, like a leftover, just even just white bread. But I like croissants with this because it really ups the decadence. Uh, so you need uh, some eggs and some 35% whipping cream, Dijon mustard, uh, some spices, salt, pepper, and nutmeg. With that all together, I actually like to mix that in my food processor because it really it gives the mixture a lot of air, and then the whole mixture will souffle up. So then you're going to mix the egg mixture with some day-old uh, croissants, and you're going to chop them up and or you can have the grandkids get involved and tear them up. The great thing about this recipe is it presents really beautifully, but it's also really rustic. So have the grandkids get in there and tear up the croissants. And then we need some chopped mixed fresh herbs, some dill and parsley and rosemary, and then some cheddar cheese, green onions and uh, sun-dried tomatoes. And toss it all together with the egg mixture into the oven it goes. And about 30 minutes later, it comes out and it's souffléed right up. It is so decadent. It makes It's great for a brunch, but it's also really nice for like a weeknight supper. And the beauty of this dish is you can, you know, look in your fridge and if you've got leftover, you know, uh, little bits and pieces from last night's supper, maybe you have some leftover salmon or some grilled veg, you can add those ingredients into this dish as well. And it, yeah, it's almost like a blank canvas for things that you have uh, left over and it just makes a beautiful brunch dish and or a uh, simple weeknight supper that the whole gang will enjoy. And is that something we could put in the fridge and keep for a day or two as well, Charmaine? I mean, I have to be honest. This one does taste best okay. right out of the oven. However, believe me, I've been known to, you know, pop leftovers <laughs> in my fridge and then consume them the next day. But it, I have to, with this recipe, it, it is nice, almost like hot out of the oven, but leftovers are fine as well. And so can all of these be found in your latest cookbook, Delicious and Doable? Isn't that what it's called? Yes, the croissant pudding and the muesli can be found in my cookbook, Delicious and Doable Recipes for Real and Everyday Life. And the double peanut energy bars, um, the listeners can go to peanutbureau.ca for that recipe. I'll have all of the recipes up on my website with links and so on, so it's easy, so it's easy for the listeners. That's what I was just going to say. We can always go to CharmaineBroughton.com, and that's Charmaine, which is C-H-A-R-M-A-I-N-E, and Broughton, B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N. Thank you so much for coming on the show again, and I encourage you to follow also Charmaine on Instagram because she posts beautiful pictures of food, and now I'm hungry. So thanks a lot, Charmaine. My pleasure. <laughs> thanks again. Linwood Barkley is the New York Times best-selling author of 21 previous novels and two thrillers for children. His books have been translated into more than two dozen languages. He wrote the screenplay adaptation for his novel Never Saw It Coming, and his book The Accident has been made into a TV series in France. His novel No Time for Goodbye was a global bestseller. A native of Connecticut, he now lives in Toronto with his wife Nitha, and he's a new granddad. Good morning, Linwood Barkley. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. A pleasure. Nice to be with you. So the last time we spoke, you weren't a granddad, but now? 
<laughs> now that has all changed. I know I say to people to look at me, you wouldn't believe it that I could possibly be a grandfather. Well, I say but, that. Yeah, so we'd be a bit in mid January. Our grandson was born, and uh, it's our this is our first our first grandchild, and it's just pretty amazing. I mean, I think it's just I don't know. It's something about looking at your own kid and your own daughter and realizing that she's produced a new human. It just seems a little hard to get your head around. But we're lucky because you know we're both in the city, so they're in the in the east end. We're in the west end. So I mean, we're, it's not like. You know, they're in Vancouver or something, and we're in Toronto. So we get to see uh, our little grandson every 10 days or so. So he's, you know, it's fun to watch. Even even over a week, you know, you'll see all these differences, all these changes, and, and how he's doing. And so it's, it's all pretty cool. It's very cool. I 100% agree with you. Do we see another lifestyle column coming in the Toronto Star <laughs> about, grand, no, about granddad life? <laughs> Somebody's... Asked me on Facebook, I think I had to do more to put the fact that I was making fun of something that Doug Ford had done. But anyway, they said, oh, that would make it, you should do a column. And I thought, yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah. I just, uh, Twitter's my outlet now for, you know, I mean, I had a column in the Toronto Star for, God, I guess it was 14 years, mm-hmm. three columns a week. And now my Twitter, uh, Twitter's my outlet now. So I had an idea that I would have had for a column. I'll do it in a tweet and do it in, you know. 200 characters or whatever, which tells me that the columns were overwritten. Yes, I enjoy following your Twitter account quite a bit. I think we agree on a lot of things. So I've just finished reading your new book, which comes out um, the middle of May, and it's called The Lie Maker. I don't want to give too much away about it, so I'm going to let you describe what the book is about. Sure. So The Lie Maker, uh, which is not about any political figure you might be thinking of. It's not that <laughs> at all. It's not about that. It's about a writer who's, you know, done a couple of novels that were were well-received critically, but didn't do much in terms of sales. And now he's looking for more conventional work. And, he, and an offer comes his way from, of all places, the witness relocation, the witness protection people, who say to him, look, you know, we've uh, we're very good at hiding people and protecting them and getting them new identities. We're very good at that, but we're not very creative. We're not very good at creating sort of backstories for these people when they start a new life, you know, what, you know, creating some sort of fictional background for them. And we've read your books and think you'd be good at that. And so, you know, that can be kind of interesting, but what's also really curious is that when our main character was just a kid, his own father went into that program and didn't take the family with him. And he thinks maybe this will be an opportunity if he works with these people to reconnect with his father. And that might even become urgent because, you know, there there may be some reason to fear for his, his father's life. And so that's kind of our setup mm-hmm. for this. And it's funny, it came about a couple of ways. You know, I'd been thinking about doing a uh, like a, a story related to this whole sort of witness protection thing, but I wanted an angle that was different. And then I think the other thing that kind of helped spur the idea was along is I have in my desk, sitting in my one of the drawers here, I have my father's wallet which my father died, you know, when he was only 59, I was 16 years old, and I kept his wallet, and it's been in every, I've had it in my drawer for more than half a century. And I tweeted a picture of it one day and said, you know, 50 years it's been in my drawer. And it provoked this astonishing kind of flood of reaction from people who said, you know, I I saved this, my, my mom's, or I saved this, my dad's. And so I started thinking about that that's the last thing that this writer 
when he's a kid that his dad gives him is he gives him his wallet and something that he's kept for years and years. I'm saying the wallet plays a part in this storyline. Yeah. And you set this book in Boston. These are American characters. But I loved that at one point he considers making one of the witnesses a Canadian. And I loved the stuff that you wrote about that. Can I just read a little bit of that? Because it made me laugh. So you said, to be convincing, Bill would have to perfect a very subtle accent, make his vowel sound slightly different, and he'd need to know that Canadians called a restroom a washroom, that an electric Bill was a hydro bill, and God help him if he bumped into a real Canadian and had no idea what a Timmy's double double was. I can literally see you laughing at your desk when you're writing, when you're writing these lines. <laughs> yeah, I had this. I wanted to squeeze in a bit of Canadian content, you know. So, uh, but yeah, it'd be just like imagine you know you're sort of you're behind enemy lines and you're pretending to be a Canadian. And they say, yeah, what's a double double? If you don't know, you get shot. You know, yeah, that's seriously. <laughs> Did you live in Boston? You seem to know it really well. No, I've been there a few times. I really like Boston, mm-hmm. and uh, way back when, gosh, I had to go down there for a, for a thing for the book related, and my our, our son came with me, and we just wandered, you know, like Beacon Hill and all these places for hours and hours. It's such a great walking city, and I felt I had a certain, at least a, a sort of brushing familiarity with it, and I could use it as a location and feel I didn't get too many things wrong. Well, I think you need to set one in Liberty Village next, but that's just because we, re- we record the show from here. So we've talked about your writing process before, but I have to ask you this question. Do you work on more than one book at a time, or is it like one and done, and you move on to the next one? Well, it's mostly it's one and done. I mean, it, I end up working on more than one book at a time, but only in the sense that, like, for right now, I'm, I am, I've started writing a new book, and I delivered uh, a couple of months ago the book that would come out in 2024. So at some point, that will come back to me from the editors, and I'll have to go back into it to do some edits and some tweaks. So I'll be working on two books in that sense. I'm kind of editing one from you know, that's coming, plus writing one that's going to be you know, maybe the year after. So in that sense, I'll work on, on a couple of books at the same time. But to actually start writing from scratch two books, you know, mm-hmm. over the same time period, no, I've never done that. That would be just, I would, I'd, all the characters would be jumping from one story to the other. I'd lose my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Some character would look at some of that character and say, what are you doing here? You're in the wrong book. You know? <laughs> I love it. Well, I hope that we see, um, uh, I don't know, a strong superhero granddad turn up in one of your uh, next books, Linwood. Yes, yeah, so we'll have to have some uh, heroic grandfather figure, clearly, who, who takes on, you know, changing diapers and fighting spies or something. Love I don't it. know, something like that. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. Very hearty congratulations for your grandchild. It is a great life. I would say the grandma life is the best life, but granddad life too. And uh, we can all look out for The Lie Maker. It is due out mid-May, wherever you get books, as they say. And honestly, Limited, you produce such great stories. Thanks again for this one. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Kathy. Take care. Thanks. Erica Nielsen is Executive Vice President of Personal Banking and Investments at RBC, which means she leads all lines of business that serve the saving, financial planning, and investment needs of RBC clients. That's key today as she joins us to talk about a brand new account available to Canadians that launched recently at RBC. Good morning, Erica. Thanks so much for being part of our Take 5 with RBC interview. Thanks for having me. So for many of us, it's disheartening to think about how expensive today's housing market is for our kids and grandkids. Well, everyone, really. But a new account has arrived that's meant to help Canadians save for their first-time home. Erica, can you tell us a little bit about the new tax-free first home savings account at RBC? 
Absolutely. First off, let me just say I can't agree more as it relates to house prices. I think about my own children and their friends and how hard it is uh, when they think about home ownership and their future. And so super excited that we have this new first home savings account um, at RBC and, of course, at uh, financial institutions across Canada. The FHSA is really designed to help uh, individuals start saving for their first home and that down payment. And it really has some great tax benefits uh, for Canadians to reach home ownership. So let me just give a few of the highlights. The FHSA really, I like to think, combines the best of what an RSP is and what a TFSA is. And of course, Canadians know about those products. But just to, you know, put a fine point on it, like an RSP, the money that you put in is tax deductible. And then like a TFSA, the earnings within the FHSA are tax-free when they're used for a qualifying home purchase. And so that's a lot of ways for um, individuals to really think about how to, how to have their money grow tax-free for them. There are contribution limits, so it's an $8,000 per year up to $40,000, and the account can be open for 15 years. And if the investor misses a year, like you don't have full 8000 for that year, um, that just that limit just rolls over for the whole uh, period of, of the 15 years. So you have 15 years to develop or to build the $40,000. Uh, so it's really a great way for uh, Canadians to boost their down payment for home ownership. So sometimes, as we all know, plans can change. So if someone opens an FHSA and doesn't end up buying a home or decides home ownership isn't for them, what happens? Oh, this is a great question. And the government has done an excellent job of thinking this through. So what happens is even if home ownership is just a twinkle in your eye, you should start here with an FHSA because if you decide that your plans change and you're not going to be a homeowner, you can take all of the money from your FHSA and move that into your RSP without impacting your contribution limits. So there's no downside to getting started with your FHSA and then using that money for retirement purposes if home ownership doesn't become part of what happens in your life. Okay, so you mentioned RRSPs. There's also a way for first-time homebuyers to borrow from their RSPs under an existing program called the Home Buyers Plan. So how is the FHSA different, and do individuals have to choose one over the other? So one of the differences between the Home Buyers Plan and the FHSA is that think about the Home Buyers Plan as a loan from your RRSP, and that loan must be repaid back into your RRSP within 15 years. The money that you take from your FHSA for home purchase is not a loan, so there's no need to repay it. You just remove it, use it for your down payment, your FHSA is completed. The best part is that the government now allows us to combine the two. So you have a, you can withdraw up to 35000 from your uh, RRSP in the home buyer's plan. You can take 40000 from your FHSA, which is 75000 per individual. And as we know, many people buying homes are buying as, as two people. So, you know, think about like up to $150,000 of tax advantage savings that a, that a couple could have as they purchase their first home. Um, so lots of potential for Canadians to really get started and make a dent in how do I get prepared for that down payment in the structure of these plans. 
This is fantastic. And as you mentioned off the top, the best time for this to have come along for new home buyers in the market that we're faced with today. And if we want more information, of course, we can go to rbc.com slash first home. Thanks so much for this, Erica. Thanks so much, Kathy. Americans who overslept invented the word brunch. Joan Crawford. Well, I'm not sure I believe Joan, but we are grateful for whomever invented it and for cooks like Charmaine who keep improving it. Pretty sure Linwood's sequel to The Lie Maker won't be The Brunch Maker, but how fun would that be? Thanks to both of them for sharing their food and fiction with us today. Next week on Go To Grandma, we might be a little bit older, but we'll get a little bit wiser as I talk to Gina Sorrell, the author of the best-selling novel, The Wise Women, and how she came to explore the relationships between mothers, their daughters, and their kids, and why advice from mom isn't necessarily the best advice. Plus, we get adventurous as I talk with the founder of Caribou Travel and discover their unique mission-driven adventure travel. Plus, our Take 5 with RBC takes on the issue of elder financial abuse in part one of a very important discussion. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you'll come back again and again. I know I will as we inch our way to our 100th episode, which will air on July the 8th on Zoomer Radio, which I have been planning for a long time, maybe since episode one. You'll want to follow me on Instagram at Kathy Buckworth for details on our book bundle giveaways. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Instagram at Kathy Buckworth or email her, Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.